Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Your host, Andrew Donaldson. This is Herd Tell. I welcome back to Herd Tell, one of our favorites. Haven't talked to him this year because he was our New Year's guest on our Blowout Spectacular, where he was the whole episode. Oh, because right. he's yeah. just he's just that important. Todd <laughs> Kelly, longtime long form journalist, writer, producer of a great show out in the Portland area that is now up and running. You need to go find it. Seven Deadly Sins and Ordinary Times OG in good standing. Sir, how are you today? I'm excellent, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm thrilled to talk to you. First thing I just want to ask you, because I always appreciate your big picture perspective on things. You've been a writer, you're a journalist. You're, I kind of tell people you're an observer of humanity at this kind of stage of your <laughs> game. Um, and I mean that as a compliment. Uh, no, that works. Yeah. The the events of the last few days, and everybody's talking about, you know, this changes the world order and this is a momentous moment in history and this will set up the next generation. I think all of that's true to various degrees, but we don't know what degree. How has it hit you? Because, you know, we have a war of aggression. We have a massive shooting war. We have armies in the hundreds of thousands moving. This is stuff most of us have not seen in our lifetime. How has these events kind of hit you? You know, at the sort of at the risk of saying something I shouldn't, I am not a foreign policy expert. Like I know almost nothing. Um, and so if I'm being honest, most of how it hits me is what I'm seeing domestically. Um, in terms of what is going to happen internationally, I will tell you, I have no idea. Um, and I feel confident that nobody else really does either. Um, and so I think what I have been more interested in watching is um, how it's all gone down here in the United States. I, I think for the first time since maybe like 2016, I am having that feeling of domestically, well, I do not know what is going to happen next. Um, I certainly did not predict uh, the GOP and at least most conservatives turning on a dime on on Russia and Putin and really Trump, at least with this one thing. And I did I didn't foresee it. It surprised me. Um, I don't know if it will last. But as I say, for the first time in 2016, I don't know what's next for us domestically. And I I can't even hazard a guess. Is it interesting that I, I think this is a good litmus test, though. Of we have something so serious that it's just burning through a lot of the nonsense. And you're right. finding out really, really quick um, the people who can dial it down when they want to. You're finding the people who, um, 
I know the term's overused, but the, the people that it's just a business model or it's just the grifting. And I know we overuse that, but it's right. still a good term. And maybe some of them just assumed we were talking a lot. Some of them just assumed, well, everybody else in the world's grifting because I'm grifting. And that's all of a sudden him like, oh, no, these bad people are serious about this stuff. Yeah, I, I think some of this is actually starting to burn through. And, and some folks that have kind of been on the wrong side of things, maybe this is a moment of clarity of like, OK, at least on this one thing, maybe I need to take a step back and reevaluate a little bit. Well, that, and that's the hope, isn't it? Um, but I think we've all those of us who are online, like I think we've seen a bunch of this where um, when things were first happening uh, in Ukraine um, and everybody started being surprised by how well they were holding up you still saw people who were trying to find a way to work pronouns into that narrative um, who looked, you know, obviously ridiculous. Um, and I think, so I think there are two ways that this could possibly go. And one is what you're saying that people are sort of being reminded of what their deep values are, what their core principles are, and they're getting back to them. And with any luck at all, they, they'll stay there. And we'll, we'll go back to having sort of that, we disagree, but everybody's sort of grounded in principle. Um, I think the other possibility, which I think is just as likely, unfortunately, is that it's more a reflection of a complete lack of foundational principles, that everybody switched sides on the Ukraine super fast as the wind was blowing. And then potentially they'll drift back to where they were as soon as this is over. Like maybe the, what I hope it's not like to give, like the best analogy I can give is I hope it doesn't end up being like January uh, 6 of 2021 where you remember there was that period of about a month where everybody on both sides sort of, this is bad, this is wrong, this is not who we are. But that didn't last. And I'm hoping that this with the Ukraine lasts. I, I don't remember seeing this much positive energy about democracy and the forces of good and standing up to evil uh, as I've seen this weekend i don't know how many years is that the, I, I i hate to like and yeah. and i don't even know that it's going to go well for the people in ukraine over time and so i feel bad saying that like i find something hopeful about this but i do yeah i find it hopeful too because it's an indictment on us we were i was talking about it this way this this is part of the american privilege is that we get to pick and choose our problems but it really does, and it's an indictment to us, but it's just the truth. When we see evil, we do tend as a nation to rise to it historically. And there was a lot. We, we just spent a couple of years debating of, well, could we rise up to a World War II moment? Could we, are we still that kind right. of a country? I'm going to be optimistic here. I think we have an answer to that, that the, by far the vast majority of at least Americans and even the world and Europe, they've got an evil they're facing now. and almost all of them, and some of them, it took them a day or two, they're responding to it and recognize it. And I think this is a big positive to a question that we in the commentariat have been kicking around for a couple of years. Yes. The answer is right. yes, we can stand up to an evil. Yeah. Um, and like I say, we, 
it may not last, uh, but you know, for the moment, I think that I, I just want to live. I just want to live in this moment where it feels like everybody except for one country is kind of standing up and doing the right thing, or at least, you know, not standing up and doing the wrong thing. Um, it, it is greatly heartening to me. Talking to Todd Kelly, I almost said our Todd Kelly, cause that's his Twitter handle, but you need to be following him because he has great wisdom for all of us. Um, something in your largesse as a, as a longtime journalist though, I, I think this also cut into how we consume media in America because all of a sudden the commentary and the panel shows just don't seem quite as important. And I know, look, I'm already one of those people. I get a lot of overseas news anyway, cause I just can't right. stay in network news in America. I've, I've talked to a lot of people and I've seen a lot of people that I don't have contact with. They're all saying the same thing is like, Hey, where do I get a good news feed? Where do I get good information? This has definitely been a technology event. It's been a world event because it's being live streamed from the people involved in it. Is this going to be a clarifying moment in American media where we start going, okay, the old method of covering these live events is different because everybody's a journalist now and everybody can go get their media. Do you think the the national media and the network media has a moment of, wow, we're kind of getting bypassed on one of the biggest stories in decades? No. I wish, yeah, yeah, I wish that were the case, but I think we're going to continue to see the same pattern that we have, um, where the vast majority of uh, what refers to itself as the news media is, in fact, simply an entertainment vehicle that's designed to make money. Um, and a very small uh, subset of the news media is actually journalists and investigative journalists uh, doing day-to-day lagging grunt work. And I, I don't see anything that's going to change that because, you know, basically because that's the way that capitalism works um, and that it is very expensive comparatively to go out and produce real journalism and it doesn't sell as well as the cheap stuff you know, where you have a couple of talking heads on and yell at one another. Like that costs nothing to produce other than, you know, the salary of your host. And so I think that is going to be the dominant news media for a very long time. Yeah, the uh, we joke about it, but you have the opening segment and then you have the guests to talk about the opening segment. And then you have the panel discussion to talk about the guests talking about the opening segment. And there's your first 30 minutes of every news program right there. Yeah, and I and I think what we don't, like, I don't think this gets pointed out as much. I know that we, I think we've talked about this before, but um, most of the people who are on the panel are there to sort of draw eyeballs. Almost nobody is an expert on what they've all gathered to talk about. Um, almost nobody has any kind of special insight. Um, but that's not, but people don't, you know, it's not something I don't, I think that people come to with the expectation that they are going to get a deeper understanding. I think that they come either to be entertained or to have a particular uh, idea that they would like to have reinforced, actively reinforced. Yeah, it turns into a funnel really quick. It, right. it was one thing we've tried to do, and, and not just our little program, we do it at Ordinary Times too, it's like, you know, what a concept. If you have a science question, go ask the science expert. If you got a cybersecurity right. question, 
and and the panels and I'm not knocking them I'm just picking them but the network news programs like a CNN it's the same seven or eight people on every panel for every subject no matter what it is yeah. and all due respect to them I'm sure they're fine people with fine insights but when you have the same you know how this works you produce shows when you have the same eight people in the same green room over and over and over again there's going to start being some <laughs> yeah there's going to start being some group thinking there somewhere just because human nature is undefeated isn't it yeah, I mean, there's that mo- classic moment from a few years ago where Anderson Cooper, who I genuinely like, like he seems a really likable guy. But there was that moment where, and you probably remember this, where he was interviewing Jeffrey Lord about something, um, a, who is a regular guest and a friend of Donald Trump's. And at one point, so Cooper sort of breaks down and says, you know, well, of course you're saying that, like you're like, you're just a shill. You just repeat whatever Trump says. You you, and the question that I c- couldn't understand why he was not asking himself was like, well, why do you have him on every other day? Like, if he has nothing to contribute, why is he a regular guest of yours? I know because pro wrestling, you got to have a heel to have a good guy. You got to have yeah. a bad guy to argue with. So that's the thing. yeah. Uh, we're talking to Todd Kelly, a good friend of ours. We get him every so often. Love having him on the program. We're going to continue to talk to him more. A little culture, a little media, talking about Ukraine and the greater effects domestically, as he calls it, here on America. More with Todd Kelly right after this on Hurtville. Hi, welcome back to Hurtville. Talking to our buddy. Todd Kelly getting a little bit wider perspective on stuff. All right. I have my own opinion on the state of the union. I think these are just um, kind of dog and pony show things. Have, have we kind of kept some traditions in our politics that just don't fit anymore? I know you get a, you know, it's going to get a 20 rating or whatever on TV. Are there certain traditions like this that have just kind of outlasted their prime and we just kind of keep doing them out of habit and never stop to go, what are we actually accomplishing here? <laughs> Yeah. um, And you will know this more than I do because you have a uh, you have the legal background. But is the State of the Union that's constitutionally required, is it not? Yes. And it was a report until the uh, which president started. But, yeah, you could write a letter and do this and you'd be good. It's just a a report to Congress from the executive. Yeah. um, I I guess I don't understand the point of it. or at least I don't understand the point of it, except with certain presidents. Uh, I think that there are certain presidents who are particularly good orators, who have very specific messages that they want to get out, not to Congress, but to the American people. Um, and they're good at it. I thought Reagan was good at it. I thought Obama was good at it. I thought the elder Bush was really good at it when they needed to. Um, but then there's, a, but does it need to be the state of the union for them to do that? I don't know that it does. And I, and I, I have to be honest with you. Um, I don't think I've watched the state of the union address in close to 10 years. Yeah. And I teed it up to get to this question for you though, is I think the thing that's changed the most about the state of the union is we see the president every day. We see the president at the top of every news hour, the nationalization of the media, which is something you can speak to because you've watched it happen and you've talked about it at length and you've wrote about it a lot over the years. 
the national nationalization of the media is always going to gravitate towards presidential politics because that's the national symbol for everybody. That's the one thing everybody's right. got one, the same president, right? We all have right. different congressmen and senators. We all got one president. I think the media environment and the social media environment, we, we have the president in front of us 24 seven now. I think it's just kind of changed how we see the state of the union. So now the pageantry of it and the pomp and the circumstance and the, the sit down and stand up, fight, 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 choreographed clapping for the laugh lines and all that sort of, I think it just lands really weird for an American people who sees the president all the time now. Yeah. And I think that it creates, uh, I think it further creates a sense of cynicism among sort of the voters because um I mean, we all know it doesn't matter how good or bad everything is going at the moment. We all know that whoever's president is going to get up and say everything is fantastic. And again, we don't like things could be going fantastic. And we know that immediately the other side is just going to start explaining how terrible everything is. That it, it doesn't seem like... Nothing about the State of the Union seems genuine or honest, except, as I said, in those moments where I think somebody is really trying to, has a very specific message that they are trying to get out and use that. Um, I think it is largely not taken seriously by voters. Tom, and that's and, not good. No, it's not good. And cynicism is bad. And, and yeah. But cynicism is a two-way street. It's, it's the government's fault. and It's partially our fault, too talking to Todd Kelly about these things. All right. It's an election year. Um, I, I, I wonder though, we talk about how partisan everything is, how divided everything is. We know cyclically what should happen this year. You know, the Democrats are probably in for a rough year, just historically, that's just kind of how these things go. But I, I really wonder how much do you think our elections are really a reflection of our people right now and how much of them are just turning into cyclical things. And I know that's a little bit of a deeper question, but we get into this nonsense about every election being, you know, I'm on my ninth most valuable election of my lifetime. I think I don't know what one you're on. Cause I don't want to call you older. Um, but we I just very much older. Yeah. Yeah. But we just keep talking about this over and over again. And it's like, there's so much gridlock right now. A lot of this is just kind of habits and cycles and stuff like that more so than actual trends. And then we try to read trends into them. Does it feel like that to you sometimes? Yeah. And I think, I think I would go a step further than what you're saying. I don't even see it as gridlock anymore. Um, I think that I sort of now view people who run for office as doing it mostly for reasons of celebrity. Um, like if, if you were to make a list of the top, I don't know, the top 20 legislators that you could name off of your head because you see them on the news and everything like constantly and there are people people are always talking about i would ask you to go back and see how many pieces of legislation any of them serious legislation not even passed how many have they introduced over the past 10 years if you like weed out symbolic stuff that they're like how how much actual governance is being done and i don't know that there's a lot no and we know that because if legislation goes anywhere or meaning let yeah. me rephrase that meaningful legislation 
it's in an omnibus bill with a whole bunch of other stuff. It's slid into a financial crunch where they just have to pass it. Right. They'll stick it in the back of the DOD funding, something that has to be passed. So you can scream that you don't love America if you don't vote for this post office over yonder somewhere, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is like a great example. I mean, she's been stripped of committees. She has no legislative power whatsoever. Um, and yet you can't deny that because of the way everything's set up now, she really is one of the most powerful voices in Congress right now. Yeah, you bring her Certainly up. Certainly far more powerful than people who like go to work every day and write bills and try to get compromised who you never hear about. Is, is media power power now? We used to talk yes. about Twitter ain't real life. But, you know, we looked at what used to be power in Congress where you had an LBJ who would literally just stand and lean over people until they did their legislation the way he wanted them to. Right. Um, and I've always told people, you think Trump was profane, you should read up on LBJ sometime. Uh, Trump's a piker in comparison. Yeah. But that used to be the power, like the back rooms, the smoke filled rooms, cut and deal. Mm -hmm. Is the power now really the social media influencers that just happen to hold office on top of it? Is that really power now? I think it's a, it is a hard question for me to answer because I think the question that I keep coming with when I try to answer that is what is power? The GOP, from one point of view, somewhere along the way after 2012, seemed to amass a huge amount of power nationally um, in terms of being elected to office. But how much of what how much of what the GOP traditionally ran on and they wanted to do um, and laws they wanted to pass did they ever get done I, I I'm having a hard time thinking of any and so so if you're winning elections do you have power if you're not taking the time to do anything with it and I don't know the answer to that question yeah, well, none of the rest of the nation does either, including me. So yeah. I think that's something we need to wrestle with. You brought it up, so I'm going to go there on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, okay. We know what she did. Uh, CPAC was in Florida. That means uh, Fuentes and his knuckle-dragging morons had their, their hate fest in conjunction with CPAC because they follow around all the big conferences and have an adjacent. We know she attended. She took picture, multiple pictures with them all together. Uh, Representative Gossard out in Arizona has also spoken to this group. This is a straight up hate group. Um, they're Holocaust deniers. They're I hate using this term because I think we we overuse it in the broad spectrum of prejudices, which is ignorance and fixable. And this is an evil, wicked thing. But they are racist. They're, they're not really hiding it. Yeah. Um, what do we do here? Because I, I get annoyed. I put it out on Twitter. I'm like, she needs to be expelled from Congress. Congress has a mechanism, two thirds vote and they're expelled. That's a very high bar. Right. And I just get person after person after person like, no, 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 that that supports the will of the voters. That's I'm like, you don't want the precedent. They could throw you out for saying something. I'm like, no, 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 it's two thirds, man. Do you know what it takes right. to get two thirds? You can't get two thirds on the naming of a post office nowadays. Right. Um, I'm just shocked. I guess I shouldn't be as hard and as cynical as I get accused of being. There's validity to the accusation. How in the world is this person in Congress? How how is Gossard, who's even who may literally be losing his mind if you go listen to some of the clips of what he's saying? How are these people in power and Congress hasn't ejected them? I know the answer is partisan politics, 
is, is it the, the wider country just doesn't really realize who these people are? What is it? Because it just befuddles me that these, these unworthy people hold office. So, yeah, one of two different possibilities. And one possibility is that people simply aren't paying attention um, and they don't know who these are and they're not really interested in learning. I think the other possibility that I don't think that we should dismiss out of hand is that voters know exactly who Marjorie Taylor Greene and these people are and vote for her because of that. Is it the thing where it's um, they get to say the things out loud we don't want to say? Because I think there's quite a bit of that on social media. I know a lot of people like to couch terms, especially when it comes to racial stuff, comes to anti-Semitic stuff. Is there just yeah. an element of that where they may not even be completely true believers in the in the hatred part of it? They just like people who get to say things they're forbidden from saying. I think that there's some of that. I also I don't think you should ever discount on any side of the political fence um, the power of uh, attempting to build coalitions against a capital O other. Um, And sometimes that other are immigrants or globalists or who knows, um, or people who put pronouns on their Twitter bios. I Let's put it this way. Back when I used to write for Ordinary Times, one of the things that I used to write about a lot was people in the GOP needed to stop saying certain things. Because if they didn't, their voters were going to vote them out of office. Um, And I firmly believe that. But what I have seen over the past 10 years since then is that the more things like that certain politicians say, the more votes that they get. And there are places I don't want to go with that knowledge because I don't want to reach the conclusions that I might get. But I can't deny that I've seen that. Yeah. And human nature is undefeated. And one of I think one of the big problems we have culturally is we just don't want to talk about human nature first and then try to solve problems second. Right. That's a deeper conversation for another day. Uh, Todd Kelly, I always appreciate your insights, sir. You've been a wonderful friend and mentor to me, and I appreciate you greatly. And I will thank you publicly every chance I get. Let folks know where your social media is so they can get more of your great wisdom and your occasional writing at ordinary-times.com, which we always clear the deck for you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at R Todd Kelly at R. Todd Kelly. And, and that is where I'll always announce new pieces dropping. So. Yep. And check out his shows. If you're ever up in the Portland area, yeah. uh, they're getting their back up and running seven deadly sins. Easy to find. They got a couple different, tell folks real quick what it is. Cause you've actually got a couple varieties of them now, don't you? Yeah, we have a, uh, most of them are based on personal narrative. Uh, so we have a main stage show where we have people tell stories that have happened to them in their real life. And they're fascinating. Um, We've had uh, the story of the woman whose village was bombed when she was growing up in Iran and later was set up on a blind date with an older man who she figured out during the date was one of the people who'd bombed the village. Um, A wonderful gentleman whose daughter had uh, been killed at Sandy Hook and went through a period of time where he couldn't see color and 
sort of a, an act of kindness one day sort of brought his sight back. So really compelling stuff. And we hire musicians to score music to it. But we have a lot of other different kinds. We have a truths and a lie show where seven people tell like the most outrageous thing they've ever done, like a bar story on one of them's line. And if whoever in the audience can guess who it is wins a prize. Good stuff. Yeah, good. Human People seem stuff. to like it. And good human entertainment, which we need yeah. more of. That that culture thing, not the war stuff we talk about online. The actual culture thing is in, you know, people yeah. understanding each other. Good stuff. Yeah. Todd Kelly, appreciate your time, sir. Really appreciate you. Always good talking. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Always Thank a pleasure you. to be here. We'll have you back soon, sir. Thank you, Tom. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.